0: we doing come on come on hey we got to settle this right up top okay got to get this out of the way man all right just straight up not playing games just before we dive into the message before we get to the truth I want to know what you hear all right how many hear Laurel all right, all right, all right, good representation. Okay, how many are wrong? How many hear Yanny? How many, oh, you're timid, you're timid. Some of you, oh, some of you are like, oh, I heard Laurel, Laurel that time. That's because there's people around and you, you're sane, okay. I know what's going on. You're like, yeah. But what kind of witchcraft is that? Some sort of crazy spiritual warfare. Enemies working in. Madness. It reminds I know, you know it reminds everybody, it's been said over and over that the dress. You guys remember the dress, right? What do you see? What do you see? Whose team? Whose team white and gold? Whose team white and gold? Alright, whose team wrong? Blue and black. That's crazy talk. I don't even see anything that can remotely look like blue and black up there. White sleeves, pretty gold lace. Pretty, but but it, It's crazy, but, but okay, come with me, come with me. Hey, check this out. And so you see something, you hear something, you feel something, and then there's a reality, right? Like no matter what we think we heard, it's the guy who recorded it on vocabulary.com said Laurel. You might hear Yanny, but what he said was Laurel. And we know that because we can go to the source. There's a truth. There's a reality. There's something that's fixed. No matter what you hear, no matter what you see, no matter how deeply you feel. I look at that dress. No matter what you say, I see white and gold. I can't know. I know, sister. I feel you. And, and I can't. There's nothing. I just don't get it. You're like, no, it's blue and black. I'm like, no, you're so wrong. But you know what? We can go to the source, the one who made the dress, and we see that. And he, he clearly says, hey, it's blue. There, I see blue and black. That's blue and black. That other one's white and gold, though. And so, but, but you, you know, but I'm wrong. I, no matter what I think I see, no matter what I hear, no matter what I feel, there's a truth. And the way that you know the truth is that you go to the originator, the creator, the one who made the dress the one who spoke the word, and they get to determine. And the same is true in our world. We're in this series, The Remnant. David talked about last week how God preserves the people to preserve the world. Here's the reality. God has always had his people. There are, at any time in history since creation, there have been God followers, sometimes many, sometimes few, once only two, But God has always had a people that he's preserved, that he's called to himself. My prayer is that now or at least by the end of this message, that you would be one of them. That we would get to spend forever in eternity together. And you would leave her with the certainty that you're going to be there. And so tonight I want to talk about how the remnant knows the truth how the ones that God has preserved and chosen for himself and called to know him, they have a reality. They understand the purpose for which they live. They know why the world was created and why God created you and the plans that he has for you, these incredible plans that the creator has for you. You can navigate this world like your atheist friend can't. You can navigate this world like your unbelieving friend can't or like your friend who's pursuing a false God can't because if there's a true God, then there's a false God or lots of false gods. And, and I need you to know something. It's okay to know that, to say that, to believe that regardless of the ridicule you face, the, the accusations that come against you, It's not a popular idea in our day to to say that there's absolute truth. People believe that it's arrogant, that you would say, hey, I know what's right. And if I know what's right, that means that something is wrong. And so this is crazy, though. Like if you see a loved one, someone you care about deeply, and they're walking along a ledge, and they're about to fall off, and you run to go and catch them, and they say, no, no, it's okay. I think I'm a bird. You're going to say, no, bird, you're about to feel gravity. The reality of gravity. You wouldn't say, oh, you think you're a bird? Well, then you must be. Fly. You wouldn't do that. Why wouldn't you do that? Because you're not crazy. And because you love them. You're going to grab them. And you're going to pull them back. And you can say, no, I don't want you to die. I don't want you. You're not a bird. You're on LSD or something. No, you, you can't do that you won't fly that's not going to go well for you and i believe this is the most dangerous problem in our generation i believe that we are being brainwashed and it's the watering down of truth and calling it loving and if what you're saying is not true then it's not loving and if what you're believing is not true then it's disastrous it's destructive It is going to be detrimental not only to your health, but to your life. It's disastrous. It's dangerous. So how do we know what that sound is? How do we know what color the dress is? We go to the source, and the source is able to tell us regardless of how we feel. This is what I want to return to over and over again tonight, that it's not your feelings that determine truth. If you can believe that, friends, then you're going to leave here and I, the Holy Spirit, through the word, is going to spare you a lot of heartache. That your feelings don't determine reality. The way I feel does not determine what is real. The way I feel does not determine what is real. Can you guys say that with me? I'm going to say it and I'd love for you to repeat that just so you can feel Just kind of sense what it feels like for those words to come out of your mouth. The way I feel does not determine what is real. I want you to hold on to that as we dive into the scriptures. We're going to be in John chapter 8. and We're going to look at how the truth will set you free. How Satan deceives to make you a slave. And how the remnant are God's relatives. Before you leave here tonight, how we're going to look at uh, the, the reality that we can be children of God is John chapter eight verse thirty one Jesus is talking to the Jews, the Pharisees are there jesus is saying hey i 'm the son of God, I know god i 've been with God in eternity past. I know how to get to God. I am the truth and they 're saying no you 're a liar and Jesus is saying, "No, you believed a liar and that's, but, but there were some people there who started to believe him as Jesus is preaching, they begin to convert the Holy Spirit comes into their life, they begin to understand who he is and he's says this to the jews who had believed him jesus said if you hold my teaching you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free he says hey if you hold my teachings you're my followers you're my disciples you will know the truth and then you will be free my followers they follow me and as you test my teaching he's saying this hey test it Like, take the things that I've said, that this is how you find life, follow it, and see if you find life there. See if you find freedom there. And as you continue to find freedom there, you're going to know the truth. It's going to be affirmed in you. And and I've experienced this, both in my own life, but, but moreover, in the lives of hundreds of you guys. Over the past 10 years, I've met with hundreds and hundreds of you, and can I just tell you the conversation I've never had. I've never talked with the one who's faithfully, radically followed Jesus through college, and they come and they say, you know what, man? I just, I just wish I would have drank more, man. Like heroin kind of sounds awesome, and I just, I'm, I'm bummed I missed out on that. and You know, and I wish I had more sexual partners, That's that's really what I wish. I've never heard that. I've never heard. You know, I've always wondered what it's like to hug a toilet in a strip club and and, and vomit. I I just, I've always kind of, I always kind of feel like I missed out on that experience. No one's ever said that. But friends, can I tell you what I've heard over and over and over? JP, man. Bro, I got to tell my fiance, I've got, had 16 sexual partners. How do I do that? How do I tell her I've been with 16 people? How do I tell them this is my past? JP, man, I had an abortion, I had two, I had four. JP, I funded an abortion, man, I regret that. I wish that wasn't a part of my story. JP, I drank so much, I don't even remember what happened. JP, what if, what if I mean, I think we have to say, I don't know. What if, what if she comes back 15 years from now and says I raped her? I gotta live with that, bro, I'm scared. That ain't freedom, man. There's no freedom in that. Does that sound like freedom? Jesus is saying, hey, test me, man. You've tried it your way. Would you try it my way? You're going to experience freedom. And you're going to know the truth. And that truth is going to lead to freedom. See, it's truth, and it operates like a key. It lets you out of the cage Of sin. That's my first point. The truth will set you free. Knowing truth is knowing freedom. And what does it mean that the truth is going to set you free? You are captive to the truth you believe. Here's what it means. Your belief is always going to determine your behavior. What you believe is always going to determine what you do. Whom you trust in is going to determine who you follow. Your belief... Is always going to determine how your behavior. If I want to know what you believe, I can look at your behavior and I can say, well, that's what you believe. You believe there's life there. You believe there's life in the party. You believe there's life in drinking. You believe there's life in finding identity in relationships because that's what you do. And you're like, no, I don't believe that. I just slipped up. No, you believed a lie. You believed a lie. If you hold to my teaching, his teaching's in the Bible. We're going to spend a whole week on the Bible. So if you're wondering, like, why why doesn't he go more into the Bible tonight? We're going to spend a week there. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Freedom comes from knowing, and knowing leads to following. Does what we believe determine our behavior? My daughter came home from school the other day, and she said, Daddy, we talked about heaven. Dad said, oh, yeah, what did that look like? She said, well, one of my friends believes that, that whenever you die, that everyone who dies becomes a squirrel. <laughs> Silly, isn't it? And you just think about that, and I said, well, where does that come from? Like, that's a cool belief, like neat, okay, everybody becomes a squirrel, there's lots of them around, but that's really gonna impact how you treat squirrels. Like if it could be great-great-grandmother or great-great-grandfather, right? You're swerving to miss them and, and you're feeding them out back because they may be a relative, you know? And, and as you laugh, you gotta keep in mind, there's an entire world religion that embraces this idea of reincarnation. And it's why they, they don't kill rats. But, but treat them with respect because they may be relatives. That's, that's the truth. Then you say, well, that's funny. You're giggling, you're laughing. It's not any more funny than saying, I believe everyone goes to heaven. Cool, you believe, I want to believe that. Where does it come from? Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Do you believe that because it feels good? Oh, 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 oh. your feelings get to determine what is reality. I, I don't believe there's a hell. Cool. Where did that come from? What, what divine revelation did you have that showed you? What book did you read? Like where did you go to school where the professor said, hey, sit down because I got something I want to break off for you. There's no such thing as hell. I can prove it. Where did that belief come from? And if you were honest, you were like, well, I just, you know, I was kind of thinking about it. And I just kind of feel like, would God really send? I don't know. Did he say he would? What's your source of truth? You have to know what you believe, and you have to know why you believe it. What do you believe, and why do you believe it? And as you believe that, that's going to have tremendous impact on how you act. Is that true, right? Is that true? The reason that you look at porn, the reason you buy things you can't afford, the reason you have sex outside of marriage, the reason you get drunk is because you think it will bring life. And you trust your feelings over God's instruction. And so let's test it. Does your belief determine your behavior? Let me just ask you a few questions. We'll do a little quiz here. Um, Did anyone ever wait 30 minutes to swim after you ate? Anybody ever do that? I I did, like just hoot or raise your hand or something. Yeah, so um, did anyone ever avoid Coke or chocolate because it causes acne? So it was like prom, hey, don't want to eat chocolate, don't want to break out. Did anyone ever, you know, you don't want to, you want to get dressed before you go outside when it's really cold because you don't want to catch a cold, so you put on a beanie or a hat. Your mom's like, hey, put on your shoes. You don't want to catch a cold. So you go, put on your shoes because it's cold outside. Anybody ever do that? Dress warm. Has anyone ever backed up from the TV so it wouldn't hurt your eyes? <laughs> your parents walk in, hey, scoot back. You don't want to go blind. Did anyone ever not swallow gum because you didn't want it to stay in your stomach for seven years? (laughs) You're like, dude, I don't want a big old gumball in there. Not going to do it. Not happening. Did anyone ever avoid shaving something because it would come back darker and thicker, like your eyebrows right here. You're like, I don't want a unibrow for the rest of my life. I I love your boldness to raise your hand. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And, And so here's the deal. All of those are myths, I oh, know. All that time wasted that you could have been swimming right after you ate. You wouldn't get a cramp. You don't catch a cold from being cold. You catch cold from the bug, you know, it transfers from one person to another. It's contagious. Uh, TV won't hurt your eyes. Except that shaving thing, that's true, so I'm sorry for that. No, I'm kidding, it's not true. No, that's not true either, right? But all of that, that belief impacted the way we behave. That's why those myths have came into reality, that someone would try to to impact what you would do, and so they, they would breathe into, hey, I don't want you to swim right after you eat. So you need to sit out for 30 minutes. And so you sat there sitting out for 30 minutes based on a belief, but it wasn't grounded in truth. And those are pretty innocent. But this is where I think the church has missed it in a really bad way. Because when someone's being bad, we sit them down and we talk to them about how they're behaving. You know, why, why are you looking at pornography? Why, why are you living with him? Why are you getting drunk? You need to stop doing that. Stop being bad. No, 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 no you're believing a lie that's harmful to you, that God, the creator of the heavens the earth, has given you instruction not to rip you off, to set you free, and what you're doing is actually going to hurt you, and you're believing that life is there, but life is not found there. You're believing a lie. Let's strip it back and understand what lie you're believing 1 John 1 16 says, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. It's a really simple verse. If you claim to be a Christ follower, but you're not following Jesus, you should ask, Am I really a Christ follower? Like if I say, Hey, I follow Jesus, but I don't follow Jesus, I should ask, Do I really follow Jesus? It's just kind of common sense. Where are you at? Are you a Christ follower? And so just imagine now, before we move on in the text, imagine if we actually lived what we said we believed. Like imagine if we read this book and we just said, okay, this is true. So one, I believe that this is God's word and instruction for living life, uh, suitable for correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness, and, I, and you know what, I believe that I can talk to the creator of the heavens and the earth, and he listens to me. And, and so, right, I can pray. Wouldn't you pray all the time if you believe that you could talk to the creator? Like, like, wouldn't you spend so much time praying? And if you believe that sex outside of marriage wasn't just a bad idea, but it's literally killing your marriage long before you even have a prospect, wouldn't you say, okay, I don't want to do that? And if you, if you believe that, that getting drunk wasn't just, just a, like some God was trying to keep you from it, But he's trying to save you from addiction and poverty and hurt and, and, you know, being an alcoholic later and having your children hate you. Imagine if we believed that people were actually going to hell. And that the way they didn't go to hell is, is by us sharing Jesus with them. How many people would we share Christ with if we really believed that truth? Like, what if we just believed this was true? How would that impact your life? The remnant knows the truth. and the truth is a person. The remnant knows the truth, and the truth is a person. They answered Jesus, we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus says, then you will know the truth, and you shall be free, and they say, free? Free from what? We're free. That's the hardest person to share the gospel with, is the person that says, hey, I don't need Jesus. You're telling me Jesus is gonna make my life better, my life is fine, no thanks. You're like, hey, eternal life. I don't need eternal life, I need tomorrow. I need the party this weekend, no thanks. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me. Because you have no room for my word, I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. When he says your father, he's talking about Satan. They say, no, Abraham is our father. He says, no, if, you, if Abraham was your father, you do what Abraham did. But, but no, you're trying to kill me. You're not like Abraham. You're doing the works of your own father, the devil. And he says, we're not illeg- illegitimate truly, He says, they say the only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. He's not pulling any punches now. You belong to your father, the devil, and you wanna carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, but there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Sin is simply believing a lie. And we see the clear, the enemy's clear strategy to get you. There's an enemy, there's Satan. He hates You, all of the dreams that God has for you, he desires to destroy. He wants you stuck in sin, slave to sin, amounting to nothing, wasting your life, living maybe the little American dream and dying a meaningless, purposeless life. My second point, Satan desires to make you a slave. Every one of us is most likely being deceived by Satan right now in some way. That's, that's really unsettling. And so I've always wondered how Satan works. Like, what can he do? Like, for example, like spiritual warfare. Like, if I go, if I'm going to go share the gospel with a guy and I turn the key to my truck and it doesn't start, the battery's dead. And I'm like, oh, spiritual warfare. Did Satan, like, drain my battery? Like, what did he do? What are his capabilities? Did he get in there and mess with my alternator? What, what can he do, right? Fair question. Here's what he can do. He's got a strategy. It's a really simple one. He can try to get you to believe his lies. And it's really hard because when you're believing his lies, you can't see it. And people who love you can come around you and say, hey, he's not any good for you, but you're like, but I love him. And they can say, hey, you shouldn't do that. And you're like, but it's fun. And I think God would want me to have fun. And you, you begin to justify your sin. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. In verse 44, the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Okay, I liken it to like when the Nazis were trying to get the Jews into a concentration camp. They didn't say, hey, jump on the train, because we're going to take you to a concentration camp and kill you. Right? They would have risked their lives to not get on that train. What they said is, hey, we're going to labor camps. You can come here. It may not be pleasant, but at least you'll have a job. Get on the train. Get on the train. They take him to the train. They get off the train and say, hey, go in there and take a shower. We want you to get clean. It's a gas chamber, and they gas them, and they kill them. How did they get them in the gas chamber? They lied. That's what Satan's doing to you. He's lying. But it's different from that illustration because he'll actually get us to defend our lie to love our lives so much that we begin to defend it. No, but I want to, but no, 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 you don't understand. It's like art, it's a beautiful creature, and, and I don't know, you know, is, is masturbation really a sin? And if, 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 if God didn't want me to do this, why would he ha- give me these desires? And that's called justification. But we're married in God's eyes. What is marriage anyways, really? And you, you will defend your sin, and cohabitate with the enemy say, keep lying to me, because I enjoy your lies more than the truth. In this world, you're the prince of this world, Satan, and it's easier to live this world under the guise of lies than to be one of the narrow ones who follow the truth on the narrow path. It's so much easier to believe the lies. I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be a Jesus you. I don't want to be radical for my faith. In 1973, there was a bank robbery in Stockholm, Sweden. And they took four hostages captive. And they beat them and abused them. And they were ultimately rescued, but something really interesting happened. Uh, the, The hostages wouldn't testify against those who held them captive. There was some weird bond that was created between them, and they defended them. And that was birthed a phrase called Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome, I'll read you the definition. Defined as strong emotional ties that develop between two persons when one person intermittently harasses, beats, beats, threatens, abuses, or intimidates the other. I'll give you another modern example of Stockholm Syndrome. Often, when girls are trafficked into the sex trade and made sex slaves, they're beaten, abused, they're fed drugs, they're raped for profit on the daily, sometimes urinated on, and just terrible things, unspeakable things. And when they go to be rescued, a lot of times they will reject the rescuer and say, Hey, I want to stay with my pimp. It's called Stockholm Syndrome. And you say, that's crazy. I know what you're thinking right now. You're like, man, that's crazy. I would never do that. You do that every day. Jesus shows up and says, hey, I I want to pull you out of the club. I want to pull you out of that life. I I have a better life. I want to pull you out of that relationship. I want to pull you away from that website, away from that hashtag, away from that social media, away from that debt, away from that buying, away from that coping. I have something better. And you look at him and you say, Jesus, no, thank you. I, I love my sin more than you. Jesus, I want to stay here. Jesus, would you just leave me alone in this season? Maybe you and I will get right in another season. But right now, I'd like to keep doing this. I love my sin too much. Stockholm Syndrome. You're a slave. You're a slave to sin. You've been deceived by the enemy. You've believed his lies. And I'm trying to wake you up right now. We fall too deeply in love with our sin, that when Jesus offers us, us freedom, we say, no, thank you. And consider your sins, that we'd willingly walk into the trap of pornography or drinking. We begin to justify, well, Jesus drank, yeah, not shots of tequila. <laughs> it, it's this weird thing that you wanted the freedom to do something that now you, you can't stop doing. I wanted the freedom to look at that image, but now I can't stop chasing those images. It keeps showing up every month or every week or every other month. I go back like a dog to his vomit to this thing that's destroying me. What's wrong with me? Who will save me from this body of death? And stay with me for just a moment. It's very prominent in our culture. There's this weird thing, the gender wars, that's going on on our time. If I was born a man and I feel like a woman then my emotional intelligence determines my gender it's no longer binary right here's the problem there's several problems with that let me give you a few just to think on okay like let's say someone was killed we find the body and we're trying to identify the body the first question we're going to ask well is it is the body male or female I don't know they're dead so I can't see their emotional intelligence I don't know how they feel. I don't know if they felt like a man or if they felt like a woman, I don't know. In my effort to explain this to you, and this is where it gets tricky. See, some of you are turning me off right now. You're like, hey, you're marginalizing the transgender. No, I'm not, I love the transgender. What, you need a home, you got one, I'll give you one. You need some money, you can have mine. You need a meal, sit down with my family and eat at our table, I love you. I don't hate you, okay? We can say, hey, we can talk about same-sex attraction Say, hey, you were born that way. I'm not here to argue that you were born that way. Do you know how I was born? Do you know how messed up and depraved that I was born? Born a polygamist, not being, not able to be satisfied by a single woman, oh, a heterosexual pervert. That's who's talking to you right now. Like, like, let me just ask you a question. Let me ask you a question by a show of hands. How many of you would say you were a Christian in college? Like, if I would have met you in college, you would have said, hey, I'm a Christian. You just raise your hand if you were a Christian in college, okay? A lot of you. There's a lot of you who would say you're a Christian in college. Okay, now, don't raise your hand on this one. I just want you to think about it. How many of you uh, did something sexually that you knew would dishonor God in college? You don't have to raise your hand. Just, just think, okay, I know I did, right? Uh, I did something that I knew dishonored God. Well, what did you do? You rejected the truth. You believed a lie, even though you called yourself a Christian. And the most loving thing that I could do in that circumstance is to intersect and say, hey, God loves you. This is not who you are. This is not his best for you. He has something better for you. And your sin is no different than any of the other sins I just said. It's also where the church has missed it, where it's gone and made some kind of sexual or some kind of um, special categories for some sins. No, All of our sexual sin goes into the same bucket. We're all messed up. We all need a savior. Praise God we have one. The remnant knows the truth. The truth is a person. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. This is Romans 1 verse 25. It says they exchange the truth of God for a lie. Go go and read Romans 1 later. There's a homework assignment for you. The truth will always sound like hate to those who hate the truth. And a lie will always sound loving to those who live a lie. But the problem with living a lie, friends, is it's not who you are. It's not who you are. Now listen to me. The, the third point from this text is the remnant are God's relatives. This is a beautiful truth straight from this text. The remnants are God's relatives. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, the slave... A slave is an employee. A slave comes and goes. A slave is is at convenience. But a son, there's nothing that son can do to not be a part of the family and who makes you a son to God most high. The creator of the heavens and the earth is his own son, Jesus Christ, adopting you into his family by his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins so that you might be adopted sons and daughters. This is the beautiful truth of this verse. And so the world that you exist in, here's the truth, ready? The world that you exist it was created by God. He made humanity in his image. He designed them beautifully to function in a particular way. He made their parts, and he made the parts to fit with the other parts the way they do. He invented sex. He made it feel the way that he does. It was his idea. He has a design to it. It's, just, it's brilliant. It's mind-blowingly brilliant. And he created the earth. And it was lost to our sin, but he's going to come back and repair it and make it perfect and create a place for you to live forever and ever and ever. That when you die, you can live with God forever. Or you can live separated from him forever. And that's the reality that you live in. And if you embrace that truth every day, you renew your mind around that truth, you better believe it's going to impact how you live And God loves you so much, you have the freedom to do anything in this world, anything that you want, and glorify him except sin. Did you know that, that anything that you do other than sin glorifies the Father? He looks down at you or he looks at you and he is pleased. He finds great joy in the way that you work and in the way that you play and the things that you do except sin because he's truth. And no loving parent wants to watch their children believe a lie. And he designed the world. He's the source. He's the creator, the originator. And he gets to determine the way that life should be lived so that you might experience it to the fullest. And if you're here and you're the remnant, you're the only ones who know the truth. And the truth is that Christ sets you free from sin. That immediately upon trusting in Christ, he set you free from the penalty of sin. You don't have to go to hell. You get to be with God forever. And as you continue to walk in him and know the truth, he sets you free from the power of sin. That one day, like a dog to his vomit, you continue to return to sin. But as you trust in Jesus, you begin to, as you trust in his spirit, be able to resist sin. And one day, friends, he's going to set you free from the presence of sin. That you will be somewhere with him in his presence where nothing remotely will remind you of sin. Praise God. And so you follow him even if, and I need you to hear this, this is really important, even if, and I'm talking to you, in fact, close your eyes for just a minute so you can hear this, like I'm talking to you, I'm talking straight to you, even if you're the only one, even if you're the only one on the planet Earth, you follow him. If the entire world says he's not the way, you say, I believe he is the way and I'm gonna follow him. It's like Noah, Noah was the only one, right? He built the ark. They said he was crazy. It hadn't even rained. He's building a boat in the middle of nowhere. You would be like Noah. You say, God told me to build a boat. I'm building a boat. I'll spend decades and decades and decades of my life. You believe that a man died for your sins and rose from the dead and that you get to live forever. The remnant knows the truth and his name is Jesus. And friends, listen, something can be true. I want you to listen. You can look at me now. Something can be true even if no one knows it. Something can be true even if no one admits it. Something can be true even if no one agrees what it is. Something can be true even if no one on the earth follows it. And something can be true even if no one but God grasps it fully. It comes from a book, true for you, but not for me. And so you belong to Jesus, that's your reality. It's a beautiful reality. You get to be brothers and sisters to Christ. I I think David told you last week that two weeks ago we were in London. One night, it was late, uh, about 11 p.m. there, and we were walking back to our hotel, and we passed this homeless couple, and they were in bad shape, almost looked like they were playing a homeless couple in a movie, uh, really thin, and uh, he had red hair, and she was a brunette, and they were there on the, the street, the side of the street, and, and they were a- begging everyone that came by, do you have any change, and this thick English accent, do you have any change, do you have any change, and I just I walked by and said, I don't have any change, and the Holy Spirit convicted, and we said, why don't we go back, and we went back and engaged with them and said, hey, we don't have money, but can we get you a meal? Are you hungry? And they said, yeah, we're hungry, we're hungry, and said, so what would you like? And she said, KFC. She's real specific. I said, all right, you know, we'll find a KFC. They got those in London. And, and so around the corner, there was a KFC and, and we, we went in and ordered a, a bucket of chicken and, and um, you know, biscuits and mashed potatoes and green beans and, and two large drinks and we carried them back to them, and they were just they were so elated. They said, like, "You came back! No one ever comes back!" And I said, of course, we came back, you know. And we gave them the bucket of chicken, and we sat down. and And, and what happened was gross, kind of. I mean, they were just were hungry and they just grabbing mashed potatoes and just green beans, and and chicken is all over their face. And and we we're trying to engage them with the gospel, but they weren't. I mean, it was just like eating. The sound of eating, and <laughs> and uh, uh, imagine. For just a moment, if I would have looked closer and I would have realized, wait a minute, are you Prince Harry and Meghan? Imagine, and that's not what happened, but just imagine with me, imagine, (laughs) imagine, imagine if that's what, what God, wait, hold on, guys, this isn't, this isn't where you belong, you know, you, you belong in Kensington Palace. I mean, you don't yet because you're not married, but you, y'all, you belong there. Kensington Palace. You're a prince. Like you should go to the. Hey, how dare you say where I need to be, man? If I want to be on the street, I'm a homeless person. I'm a beggar. What? Who are you to tell me? Who are you to come at me and tell me I'm a prince? I'm not. No, no. You don't understand. I'm just trying to define reality. You're a prince. Like you, you belong in the palace. You have a home there. You shouldn't be out here begging for scraps. You should be in your palace. You're of a kingdom. You're an heir. You're royalty. You're, you'll soon be royalty too. This isn't who you are. It's not who you are. You understand? When you've trusted in Jesus, what he's done for you, you become an heir to his kingdom. You are a prince and a princess. You weren't made for strong drink and for the party. Like the pagans. You weren't made to experience in different positions and different pleasures, the pagans. You weren't made to return to those two dimensional images of women and men who don't belong to you, created in the image of God, too, his sons and daughters, so that you might have your way with them in the privacy of your home, sitting at your computer, on your cell phone. You weren't made for that. Man, You weren't made to return to that deadly relationship or or to find identity in men or, or to continue to dress that way, to give away your body so that people would notice you, that you would walk out of a room and wonder, are they thinking about me? You're loved by the king, man. The king, he's crazy about you. He's like, what do you want me to do to prove it? I'll give my son for you, my only son. I'll give him to purchase you to me, to buy you from your sin, to set you free. I'll do that for you. It happened. It really, really happened. God gave his only son because he loves you. In summary, the truth will set you free. Satan deceives to make you a slave. And the remnant are God's relatives. In writing this message, I was reminded of my own story. A slave to relationships, a slave to pornography A slave to sex, a slave to money, a slave to stuff. I wanted a nicer car, a swaggier place, a better suit, watches for every day of the week. A slave to what you thought of me. Are they thinking about me? Do they like me? This, this is what I was. But but here's the deal: if you would have seen me, you wouldn't have seen a slave. You'd be like, man, he's got it together. Mr. Dallas, right there. Like everything wrong with Dallas in one person, that was me. And I stumbled into a church, I sat in the back row, I was hungover, and this guy's telling this story about a horse. A silly horse, a story about a horse. And this horse just wanted to be free. And in his his pursuit of freedom, he had to hunt for food and hunt for water and and hunt for shelter. He didn't want to be captured. And one day this cowboy came up and, and as this preacher talked, he said he successfully captured this horse. And he took him home. And he loved him. And he cared for me, provided for him, he protected him from the elements, he gave him food and water, he learned to ride him and lead him to the things that he needed. And it was this line right here that got me, you ready? He said, and it wasn't until he was fully submissive to his master that he truly experienced freedom. And I just said, man, God, if, there, if you're real, if there's a God, then I want to give my life to you. You drive, I don't want to drive, you take my life, you do with me whatever you please. I know that I'm not doing the things that you desire for me. And so all I really knew at that point was there was a God, but I really didn't think he was the Christian God. I went home, I bought a book on world religions. I looked at the Hindu faith, the Buddhist faith, the Jewish faith, the Islamic faith, Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, Church of Christian Science, and Scientology. And as I explored those world religions, I kept tripping over the truth of Jesus. Jesus. I looked into the Bible and I was blown away by the evidence that supported that it hadn't been changed, that it was preserved, and that the message in it was this truth that led to life. That 2018 years ago, on Jesus' birth, the calendar reset and every atheist you know acknowledges him by the date they put on their checks. I was blown away by the evidence. And I said, Jesus, I believe that that you lived. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God raised you from the dead. And Jesus, I'm desperate for your Holy Spirit to come into my life to help me, to free me from my slavery, to pornography, to stuff, to money, to girls, to sex, identity. Would you give me a greater purpose and help me to live for you? And Jesus recruited me to the remnant by revealing truth. And I can remember sitting on my friend's couch. I was in Waco, Texas, and I was sitting there, and it was like the scales had fallen from my eyes, like I was living in the matrix. I'm like, none of this is real. Like, Jesus is going to come back and finish the work here. Like, what else matters? What am I going to do? I should just start sharing the gospel with every breathing person alive. I should give away all my money and leverage it for the kingdom. I should begin to live completely and radically sold out for him. And God began to do a work in my life. What else are you going to live for? Is it true? If it's not true, then you are wasting your time here on a Tuesday night. You need to be, they got $2 margaritas out there, man. You need to go just shred it. Go hard. Sin more. Experience more momentary pleasure. Guys will love you. They will use you and abuse you. They will delight in your body and drink it up. girls, man, pull out your wallet and, and, and buy them some drinks and, and soak in their attention like there's nothing else. But if it's true, you stop it and you start living for him because anything else you do is a complete and total waste of your life waste of your talents waste of who you are in fact it's not who you are it's not who you are you're his let me pray that you would know that Father would you help us to believe that we're yours would you help us to live for you would you help us to know you would you help us to walk you with you? I pray, God, please, right now that you're recruiting your remnant, that you're pulling them together here in Dallas and in Fort Worth and in Tulsa and in El Paso and in, in Oklahoma and in Houston and Houston and, and in South Africa and Australia and in Rhode Island and all of the places where people are listening right now. You're just recruiting your remnant, God, that we would lock arms and that we would live radically for you tomorrow, God that we would boldly declare, there is the truth, and I know him, and I'm gonna live for him. Because God, you, we are. God, we are who you say we are. Sons and daughters, not slaves. We are who you say we are, God. Your sons and daughters, princes and princesses, not slaves to this world, not slaves to our sin. Not slaves to Satan. We're yours, God. And you're enough. And you're enough. Would you remind us of that? Amen.